Hey, welcome to another episode of the Rooted In podcast. We got the full crew here today. I want to say hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, and today uh, we thought we would do kind of an overview discussion about the concept of deep learning. So we're going to kind of cover a whole or the whole concept um, from a more general perspective so that as we move through this season, uh, we can hit on some of the specifics that fall under that umbrella and dive a lot more in depth. Deep, deep learning. Yeah, <laughs> to dive deep into deep learning. <laughs> Very good. And application of deep learning. Right. So those of you who've been with Rooted in Language know that we you know, have really strong feelings about some of the ways we teach, the strategies we use, um, what we would deem you know, more of a productive or less productive level productive or less productive activity and that's based on this sense of our goal is to not waste a lot of time that kids you know that cognitive juice I always talk about that the struggling reader and writer doesn't have like we don't want to really be using up a lot of cognitive juice on activities that aren't going to really give us a big bang for our buck. We want to spend time doing some activities that we call, that that foster deep learning. So um, I've talked about bits of this here and there, Mm -hmm. and certainly last, in last year's podcast, um, we had two podcasts that you might want to go back and listen to. Uh, I had one on skill, will, and thrill that I did with Julie Bogart from Brave Writer. And I had another one just kind of on this overview about um, deep learning and and some thoughts on conversational instruction that I had with my sister, Jody Weber. So we, this year, we're going to really focus on what we are doing with reading and writing. And when we talk about deep learning, um, one of the things that we want to be thinking about, there's some research by John Hattie, and we are going to dig into that more in future podcasts, some of his research about deep learning. But we, um, we use this phrase all the time, that reading and writing is a process, not a program. That in order to become good at such a complex skill, that it takes time and you need to do that over time. It's going to involve some moments of failure. And what we want is that that failure gets turned around and and mostly that there's enough success there that kids don't feel like they're drowning. So you've heard us say that before. Another thing about deep learning is that in order for learning to hit that greater depth that we want, it has to feel real and relevant to the student. And in fact, um, there's research to suggest that we make better synaptic connections in our brain if we can get to this real and relevant. And we all know that, that if we're listening to something new, like this podcast right here, if it's connected to something you already know, and you have a place to build that concept. Or something you have identified that you really want to know about. Right. That can make it yes. relevant. That can yes. make it very relevant. It could be that, you know what, this year this is my goal. That makes it relevant. Um, it could be that you're doing it with someone that you really care about. And mm-hmm. you're enjoying that time with them. And that makes it more relevant. Discussing goals with kids, too, at the beginning of a year can help make things really relevant. If you... Ha- 
involve them in the process of setting up their own goals, then that puts some ownership a little bit more on them and you can remind them. Remember, this was a goal you actually had for yourself. This is not just me telling you to do it, which can feel, you know, removed, like I don't care about this. Right, and that plays into something we talked about in one of our Facebook Mm -hmm. lives called metacognition. Um, To foster deep learning, there does have to be some level of challenge. Again, we don't want to set up a situation where this is so easy that it actually makes me feel like, well, I'm not really feeling great about this. Anybody could do this. This is too easy for me. We really want to have this sense that, hey, this was a little more, and that's so much more meaningful to me. Um, I just had a situation like that with exercise where I had uh, been doing some good stuff, and then I hurt myself, and then I went back for my next session, and we had to reduce everything way down. And the whole time I was just battling this, the whole time he would say, good job, I would think, not really. (laughs) This doesn't feel good. This feels like nothing, right? But then today I go in and I I ramped it up that little bit more. Mm -hmm. And it still wasn't what I had want to do, but it was ramped up just enough that now I felt like I'd really done something A little more, a little better. Yes, a little more, a little (laughs) better. It's our quote of the day. It's our quote of the day. And uh, it comes from... Uh, that one, no, that one's just a Kevinism. Yes. Your trainer. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Kevin Furay. Yeah, Kevin Furay. And he always says that a little more, a little better. And that's a little, that's what helps deep learning is that little bit. So more. you're having like deep exercise learning. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, deep, yeah. Deep, deep, deep physical improvement. Yeah. And, and you, you have to explore ideas. So I'm exploring, uh, yeah, all the places I can have pain. <laughs> <laughs> but it does involve some problem solving, exploring ideas. And then also, and we are going to talk about each of these things in more depth right. for deep learning for you as this series goes along. But the last one is it ha- we have to be interactive with it. We have to create a product. And um, Claire, you might want to reference the yeah, first podcast. Say, but yeah, the podcast that went up, the, we were talking about art. Um, we talk about this concept of creating a product and we said there and I guess I'll say again that like the word product can sometimes feel like oh it has to be this big deal thing like, like a project kind of, yeah project yeah. Yeah. right um, which is sometimes true that is a perfectly legitimate way of doing things um, but that's not always the case where you know a project or not project, I me saying it a product <laughs> um, could be the fact that I just wrote something down Yes. And there's a product. It could be that I drew something. It, it could be, be you created a brainstorming list. Right, yeah, just yeah. a list of something, a grocery list. Yeah, is a it is the child producing something mm-hmm. during the learning activity, which involves and engages them in a way that, that is going to help them, you know, comprehend better. It's going to stick in their brain better. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a deeper learning. Right. It involves output. Yes, don't you think? Can be another way to say it. Yeah, if you think of it that way. In fact, um, on Facebook, I had put up uh, an, a study about conversational turn taking. So there had been studies in the past about kids, um, if they hear so many words a day, how that builds their vocabulary and all that. And, and what they realize is it's not the number of words, it's actually allowing the child to be engaged. Yes. So they take turns. If all I'm doing is listening, mm-hmm. those of you who've right. sat in lectures, oh, right. This, right? If all I'm doing is listening, then there's this level of passivity. Right. If I pick up a pen and start taking notes, 
Yeah. Now that's more active. Yes, yeah, right. so much more. It's like, it is. You're being asked questions during that and have to respond. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. and if, yes you, no. if you have to then teach someone else right. about well, something, yeah. then right. that's like so the highest level, right? Here. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say that, like the note taking thing is is a kind of a conversation in a form where if you're listening to something and responding, but you're responding kind of to yourself, I guess. But it is still that kind of turn taking idea, right? conversation. and you're formulating. You know, you're not, you know, you know the difference when you're just trying to get everything they said down and you think, I got that down, I'll have to read it later to see what I wrote. Right. Because you were so busy just, you know, copy, 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 copy. You couldn't process Mm -hmm. and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't um, formulate any ideas. But if you take what's said and you rewrite it Mm -hmm. for a note in your own words or in a shortened version that mm-hmm. you've determined this is the phrase I need to this, is the, this is the important thing. part yeah. 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 Right, right, now right. there's output right, right. So. right. The, form- the formulation is a big concept a, mm-hmm. the big part of deep learning is that it's not just this kind of um, regurgitating and or passive listening it is that involving your your own cognitive skills mm-hmm. in creating something that is semi new right that is like of you and therefore, that's why we often say, um, you know, involving writing is that like one extra deep step as opposed to just talking about something. Right. Which, but the regurgitation thing can be kind of dangerous or like because it can look very similar to like, it well, can. if I ask you a question and then you responded to me, well, it looks like you know what I'm talking about. It looks like you might be formulating your own ideas. Um, so it can often, I guess, kind of hide it behind can. that. It can. A student just repeating hide. something back, and then you wonder why the next day they have no idea yeah, that you even talked about it. that. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're interested in that, reading more about that study, it was an MIT study done by John Gabrielli, and we did post an article on our Facebook page, but you could also look more into that yourself. So that creates an interesting segue, Claire. You were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, if you're mimicking it, is it the same? So you might be thinking to yourself, well, then why in rooted language are we so into copy work and dictation? Right, it which feels, yeah. feels like just like mimicry, regurgitation, right? yeah, copy. Um, but that is because of another principle. In order to foster deep learning, you have to come from a place where you have a solid foundation. Right. So, um, it's kind of backing up yeah, in the process. And, and I do have another quote for us here. Today I seem to be full of quotes. Um, this is a quote from Greg Cook, who's a, another fitness guru type. And he says, You can't stack fitness on top of dysfunction. Hmm. So, interesting to take that from the fitness world into the educational deep learning Rooted in fitness. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting how fitness seems to have so many parallels to reading and writing and, and, and just learning in general because it is, it is this hopefully productive struggle forward and there's a lot of feeling like you've lost things and there's a lot of if you stop doing something yes. you completely lose skills. There's a lot of parallels here that are... That a are, ton of skills you're stacking mm-hmm. in order to be able to do the exactly. next thing. Exactly. You can't mm-hmm. do the next thing until you've mastered this little bit. And sometimes mm-hmm. you work on something that feels trivial for a really long time. Right. And then you realize much later how much of an impact that had. Yeah. So there's there's just a lot of parallels here. Yeah. And people tend to really identify with that because everyone's had an experience with some sort of physical activity mm-hmm. that, was str- mm-hmm. that was a struggle. And output map. Output matters. Oh, totally. I mean, oh, apparently, I can't just watch like Ninja Warriors on TV. Practice matters. Apparently, I have to actually <laughs> wait. Have... Wait. So if I don't, if I just sit and watch like people curling and bench pressing, yeah. I get strong, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and and and, and only. wanting uh-huh. to lose weight is the same as losing weight, right? <laughs> right. 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 
<laughs> all those things are true. So it's true in the learning world. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough for me to say, well, here's where I'm really, really comfortable. I don't have to do anymore. And I don't have to like push my muscles at all. Mm -hmm. I'll just do the same thing for years and years and years and years. And that makes me feel happy, but actually the outcome isn't what I want. Right. So, right. so it's that same idea. So anyway, back to starting with a strong foundation. That is why the copywork and dictation is important to us. Um, if writing is one of our great outputs for deep learning, mm -hmm. to foster deep learning, then we need to make sure we have the foundational skills you in place. You have some skills there. Right. Yeah. Right. So learning to write matters. Um, there is research that shows that kids with poor handwriting tend not to write as much. Right. Which makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't like to do things you're not good at. Right. Yes. Hard right. to do something it, hard. It's reflecting. Yeah. It's hard to do something hard. Much like fitness. <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes you hurt yourself if you do too much okay. one, one of the things we often talk about with that strong foundation though is that the more the more you can get some of these skills in an, in an area of your brain that has become automatic right we call that automaticity you can sort of shrink the cognitive juice that it takes for you to do something mm -hmm. down to a tiny little box after a lot of practice then you can take on the next big thing and not have to be thinking about right. some of those smaller aspects so that is right. another that is behind that concept yeah, of strong I, I like, foundation i like to compare that to driving you know, yeah there's so many skills when you drive that we've forgotten about because they've become automatic we don't comparison. think about them but then you go to teach your child to drive? Oh my gosh, you realize <laughs> How many things you're all, doing. all these tiny little skills that are, you just don't even think about yes. every day. And yeah. I remember when I first learned to drive feeling like it was, took so much of my attention to stay between the lanes. It was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now that's not something I think about at all and I can be more of a defensive driver if someone's coming at me in an area right. they shouldn't be. Whereas if I was a new driver trying to focus on staying between the lanes, I wouldn't notice your, someone your coming at me. Your cognitive juice right. is used up. It's used yeah. up. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I guess to kind of pull that back to the quote that you said about you're not being able or you can't build so I can't stack I have no words um, fitness <laughs> on top of dysfunction kind of pulling back to if you can't stay in between the lanes if you can't formulate a letter properly um, or write a sentence or write a these. sentence yeah, what, yeah whatever the the area of weakness might be how do you then expect to put something on top of right. that? And if you then stack things on top of that without paying attention to that underlying, those bricks underneath, that foundation. the foundation, then it will crumble. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And you get to why we say don't just do copy work. We right. want you to do intentional copy work, right. intentional yeah. dictation, intentional editing. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just say to a child who's struggling, here, just copy this. Right. Because what they're practicing are skills. Probably poor that skills. Are dysfunction. Yes. Yes. Right? right. And and in the end, that doesn't get you anywhere. Nope. So right. we right. and we talk about that and teach about that in our Roots and Twine class. Um, I'll get have a little statistic for you here because Maura mentioned automaticity. Stephen Graham, who's a pro professor of special ed at Vanderbilt, um, looked at this idea of writing speed. So speed is an automatic skill, right? This is mm -hmm. something we work toward. We want to get to a certain level of speed mm -hmm. so that when I'm sitting in a classroom taking notes or when I have to write this paper, I'm fast. Right. right. So he found that automaticity and speed is still an issue in fourth and sixth grade students. 
that speed increases till at least ninth grade. So a lot of times we have these questions like, how long should we be doing copyright and dictation? Right. Well, think about that. Wait, so wait, just to clarify. At least you, ninth grade. So speed, you're working on increasing speed up through ninth grade. Yeah, right. well, and that's, at least. That's, that's at least. Okay. Without okay. A struggle. Yes, yes, this is just an average. overview. This wasn't yeah. looking at struggling. It was looking at all writers. And what he found is that increase in speed is still happening. There's automaticity still happening where these processes, well, it's all these different processes that need to work simultaneously or in perfect sequential order and quickly. So, that so it's, you're still working for automaticity, right? Well, so it's yes. like things are still not quite well, automatic, but they're exactly. working into that automatic bucket. So you thing. might say, well, my fourth grader really has no problem with copywork and mm -hmm. dictation. Why should I still do it? Well, just think of speed right there. If they're fast now, think how much faster they're going to be. Yes. How long that speedy process, that speeding up process takes is a reflection of how high a level activity writing actually is. Mm -hmm. and there are so many sub-skills involved. Yeah, and it's one, it's one of those things that's easy to think, you know, if you have a child who's typical that, you know, well, they've kind of learned writing. They've learned it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that that continues to grow, it is so complex, continuing to, to work on those foundational automatic skills and building on those skills all the way through high school, even into college, those skills are always expanding and growing mm -hmm. because it is such a vast, it, it is such a you know vast sea. It, yeah. There's so much there. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to get to get in this mindset of like, well, I think my child's fine, but even for a student who is typical, who is average, there is so much complexity there that they need to be continuing to practice and tap into to stay a strong language user. Yeah, it's kind of an exponential process that like within writing, each skill can continue to grow. And in writing in general, you can continue to add new skills. Mm -hmm. So both it's growing what you already have and you continue to stack stuff on it. So it's, it's, it's really that exponential. building on what you already have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that's one of the reasons why we like our LA Binder class because remember we talk about that deep, how to foster deep learning, you're building on what you already know. Mm -hmm. We're trying to have kids reach back. Yes, you learned this before. You've practiced this before. Yeah. All this, as we accumulate new information, it's easy to kind of start dropping some sure. of what you learned. We yeah. all do it. Which it so. serves both the, the ownership, right? Always building that ownership idea. It serves that purpose, but it also serves the, let's actually remind you what you know. Yes, yes. Right, right. You know, I, that recycling back through right, constantly. Right. I was thinking today, just today, I was reading about um, this. I was actually reading about the sequential process that takes place in your brain when you see a word. It was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. All these different brain processes and the order in which they come into play. So yeah, there, there's a great new series that just started on PBS about the body. Mm -hmm. And they spend some time talking about the mind during this. I just watched the first episode last night. But uh, they were talking about something like a trillion things firing in your brain Yikes. when you go to remember a new thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, it's like just the brain yeah. is an Jeez. amazing machine. Well, <laughs> there's I, so much going on. I was thinking that the thing we need to remind ourselves is that there's no simple answer to a complex process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? True? That's so like it's a like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah, right. This is a 
reading, trillion things firing in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> reading, reading is a complex process. Right. Yeah. Writing is possibly an even more complex process. And humans are complex beings, and so there's never going to be the same necessarily path you take with one child to another. Right. So that while many processes can be considered best practice, we also know that every learner is different. So we have complex humans learning complex processes. This in is a, part of what makes this so complicated. In a complex way. In a complex way. <laughs> huh. right. Well, and the reason we call ourselves rooted in language is a total acknowledgement of that complexity. Yeah. That this is not, hey, we tackle reading only through phonics, or hey, right, we right, tackle right. writing only by handwriting practice, right? right? Yeah. This is, there are all these skills they need strengthened. Our brains use them all. Should be pulling on all of them for mm -hmm. strong Yes, use. and they need to be practiced, you know, alone to build up that strength, and they need, need to, to be practiced together. together, and we say that all the time. And then, on top of it all, we have to use that process, reading and writing, for new learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Deeper learning. Use right. your skills <laughs> to access new information. Yes. yes. Output. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All of that is demanding something of those skills even more and more and more. This leads us back to questions we often hear. Is it okay if my child just listens to audiobooks? Is it okay if my child just dictates to me? There are times and places for those skills mm -hmm. and for those tools. And for maybe giving your child a break and doing some of that, right? Exactly. There are and, times. And you may be tapping into some of their higher skills that their struggle keeps hidden, right? Mm -hmm. But that's never the end. We don't right. want to stay like there. Just that phrase of, is it okay if my child just, like whatever, it's like, the answer, yeah. In, in Anything like after said, just. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the short answer is no. Right. It's okay in these little moments, or right. these little where you're working on those individual pieces, mm -hmm. but the, yeah, the big answer is no. Right. You can't right. just anything. You don't want your child to just stay in one place, right? So we want to always be, or at least we're assuming that's what we are wanting here. So we want to always be just, <laughs> no, not just. just. <laughs> we want to always well, be, we be just. pushing <laughs> into these, <laughs> yes, true. we want to always be just. We want to always be a little bit at least in what the educator world calls their zone of proximal development, right in that area of where they can be struggling productively. So you don't want to be overwhelming them, but you don't want to be letting it all be way too easy in these areas where they struggle while still letting them do things in the areas where they're strong because of course we want to encourage those areas as well. Right. And that concept that you just hit upon is one we will talk about. Oh, the in zone future. Yes, podcast. Right. It's covered. Oh, yeah. Unpack. <laughs> yep, yep. We're so, unpack our view of that. So I was just going to say this might be an opportunity to go back upstream a little bit and talk about our entire language system because reading and writing are these high-level outputs that we get to. So. Let's back up and talk about developing the language system from you know Forced early on. Deep learning, right, which yeah. leads us back nicely to conversation, leads us to speaking right. and listening. That's a big part of developing that language right. system. Right. And we have to develop that system. That is the system that reading and writing is built upon. Yes, we build reading and writing from from your verbal language system that is there. Because if you think about it, a child who's learning to read and write should already be a pretty fluent language user verbally, right? We're, we're typically not teaching someone to read and write who hasn't yet learned to talk. So we are building 
new skills on hopefully a very strong verbal system that is there because it is very, very related. So we want to do as much as we can to have a strong verbal system mm -hmm. to then build upon with reading. It's kind of, to go way back is the context of relation, right? Where right. You're at the very beginning, um, that things become more understandable, deeper, um, the more, more, contextual. more contextual, the more contextualized they are. Mm -hmm. So the more connected you are. So building your reading writing system on top of that contextualized speaking listening system, yeah. like of course you're going to have better outcome from already having that connection. Well, because right. it's and something that they have in right. place. They know. Yeah. Right. And you know, those of us who've had, you know, toddlers who are learning to talk know that game where they walk around the room and they pick stuff up <laughs> and they they either like babble at it and then we give a name, right? right. Or they may name it and we say, Yeah, that's that's your baby. You doll, expand upon right? the little thing We're that they say. We're having this, you know, game of, you know, just saying, now say baby doll. <laughs> now say doggy, right? With no doggy and baby right. doll in place, it would be absurd to us. And then we slowly build off, you know, doggy to doggy wants out, mm -hmm. right. you know? And you kind of build kids into these longer and longer phrases. And it turns out, actually, new research indicates that a lot of that language acquisition is based on rhythm. Yeah. Kids well, pick up on the rhythm the of how you speak. Yeah. 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 Well, and one of the things capacity. parents do is they <laughs> also, you know, they when a child says something like doggy, a parent, rather than just repeat what the child said, tends to take what the child said that was small and expand it into yeah. a bigger context, right? right? So a child says juice and the parent says, oh, you want more juice? Yeah, orange juice is your favorite. Here's your juice. And they've taken that one word and created much more language right. around it. And then as the child gains more, you begin to do this back and forth which is the engagement in the verbal system that really is creating that producing. Yeah, which is exactly what, to jump back ahead again, we do with writing practice, right. which is kind of fun. But mm -hmm. like you start with, depending on where they are in this level, they have one word and you expand upon it writing and then they're growing in what they have and you're back and forth, turn taking. And you're turn taking with, with infants even before they are making oh, noises. Yeah. You know, you're, they widen their eyes, you widen your eyes, yeah. you smile. No, they parents parents they set up poop. conversational habits with yeah. little babies. And there's been a lot of research around mm -hmm. that where babies are, you know, blow a raspberry and the parent responds like that was a conversational turn. Mm -hmm. And then the baby, you know, does something else, you know, seemingly whatever, right? And the mm -hmm. parent responds as if it was a conversational turn. And babies actually, as young as like four and six months pick up on that back and forth. Right. And what we know now is that kind of conversation builds synaptic responses. And that plays into also when we are really talking about ideas. When we're really engaging in this mm -hmm. turn-taking mm -hmm. discussion, we are fostering deep learning. Right. Sure, and, and we're at risk as a society with all of the mechanical and electronic uh, devices that we all carry around to shut down conversation right. uh, in, our, in our daily lives. Yep. And, and we all have to be careful of that. That we we're do. still is. engaging back and forth all the time, talking yep. about what we talk about and thinking about what we think about mm -hmm. and on and on. Yeah, it's definitely something that's become a new factor in these mm -hmm. last, you know, 15 years or so for children and kind of the kinds of interactions that, or the kind of engagement they are actually having. Is it more passive day to day as they're developing language 
now that there's so much technology around them than it would have been without. So that is something always to be thinking about uh, as parents raising kids in this day and age. Well, and I think it's no different than the television debate we had yeah. when we were, right. when we we were, were the generation up, of Now it's just much more mobile. Now it's more mobile yeah. and um, it's in everybody's hand. It's, it's not in your sitting. pocket instead yeah. of right. having mm-hmm. to go into a room and turn it on. Now you just pull it out of your right. pocket. Right. And and there, there's a lot of them. There's just more ways to, to get into what might be a passive mode. Now, does this mean that, you know, this morning my son was showing me the trailer to Mary Poppins, which, by the way, looks awesome. But anyway, <laughs> um, there and a, the two of us are standing there watching this trailer and commenting and, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, there's no place well, for any of this, well, of course. We're back to the word just. Just. Yes. yes. <laughs> Nothing happens in a vacuum. So another idea about conversation that I think Maura touched on when she was talking about young children is it really, and Tracy was referencing this also, that it really helps kids attach knowledge and cement ideas. Mm -hmm. And again, it's output. It is output. We don't think of it that way. And it's also always contextual. You're in conversation with somebody. It's automatically mm-hmm. in conversation. Yeah, and you immediately know when it's not because you're completely confused. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's happened. You're like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm done No here. context here. Sometimes the context there, and I'm still confused. Um, so we have these conversational writing strategies that are part of our um, supported writing and editing class, mm-hmm. and that's what we delve into there because we know now we have to make sure that we're supporting the foundation as we also build on that foundation. You know, you don't wait till the foundation is all the way up. It's not like a building. Like you don't want to start, you know, floor three when the foundation isn't in on a building. We can't, we can't really afford that. Mm. And that's not really the way the brain works. The brain's working much more through connection. So I can be building this skill here and still having you know, be five stories up. Um, I was, I was actually going right. to say, it is, I feel like the building metaphor is a good one, but it's actually, it's not a simplified building metaphor. Because the simplified building metaphor is you put the foundation in and you build it up. Then, it's too right? linear. It's this, then right. this, then right. this, But then like, this. the way buildings are actually built is there's windows being manufactured here and doors being manufactured here nice. and drywall over oh, here that's and a great scaffolding point. here. So it's like, yes, the foundation has to go in first for the building to be up. But there's a lot happening. But there's a lot but, happening. But, but our our yeah. basement floor in when we built our house got poured after the whole rest of the house. <laughs> was built on the wall. So maybe it's like Tracy's house. Yeah, because it was too cold outside to pour the floor when it was time. So Uh, so think of your language metaphor as Tracy's house. (laughs) Well, the whole thing is, don't say, I'm not going to work on writing until I feel like they're reading. I'm not going to work on... Free writing until copy work is better. Well, like that's not right. what we're saying. In for the windows and doors and drywall yes. and all that. For this a stuff struggling learner too, I have this kind of eighty percent philosophy where you might have a kid who you're working on short vowel sounds and two years down the road they still don't always get the short vowel sound, right? That's something that is like majorly hard for them. Now would I never move on to teaching them other spellings because they well, never got a hundred percent on their short vowel sounds? I cannot do that. So I try to get to kind of an 80%-ish 
that's obviously like a ballpark, you know, that's not the same for every child before I start moving on and pulling in other things. And pulling in other things can actually help them make connections mm-hmm. that then strengthen something that they struggled with. It doesn't mean you don't go back. No, and then you're revisiting. constantly recycling. Yeah. Right. right, right, right. Well, I mean, I like this building thing. I'm going to come back to this building metaphor. Oh, clear. But like the house thing, like your house is not perfect after you finish building it, right? Like, right. well, now I never have to do anything to it. It's great. And it doesn't not degrade. Oh, that is also a great There are cracks that appear. You need to refinish the bathroom. You have to repaint. You have to update your furniture. They sit in in this thing called nature, which seems to constantly be encroaching upon the integrity of the house. Exactly. But it's the same idea that you're constantly exposed to new literature, new experiences, new things. You're going out there. You're growing. You're learning. And so their cracks might appear, water might get in the basement, and you have to come back to read. Exactly. You might feel things. really solid in a skill and then hey, you move up a grade level and mm-hmm. suddenly you're being asked to do something you were your child was never asked to do before. And now all of a sudden they're kind of crumbling again in that. Right. And so we wanna be always building as strongly as we can so that they are able to handle the new right. thing. Right. Well, we, we use that example in sorry, in uh, grammar with subject and verb. Mm-hmm. You know, we start out having kids find subject and verb, and that's very simple when the sentence is, Jim runs. Right. You have a subject, you have a verb. And you might feel but, great about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we put some quotes in from Animal Farm where it was darned hard oh, to man. find the subject and verb. Well, in as an adult. Sentence. Yes, yeah. let alone these higher level grammatical Yeah, forget yeah. anything So, else. so right, right. things you felt solid about suddenly don't feel so solid right, anymore right. and need revisited. Exactly. So keep remembering that conversation is an important tool. Right. Um, we, that was, uh, you know, a basis that we really showed in Trees in the Forest. We were talking about deep learning and deep reading and comprehension mm-hmm. in that book. And we were using these strategies of conversation and bits and pieces of writing. We were looking for output at these different mm-hmm. levels. Mm-hmm. Another thought, just as we think about, hey, just because one skill's here doesn't mean that at the next grade level, when the next process, you know, mm-hmm. comes into place, you're not going to go back and have to struggle with that. That's actually what a reading uh, weakness tends to look like. Yeah. You can have a very or intact, or yes, in writing, you can have a very intact speaking, listening system, but now you've added symbols. I have a student who is the perfect example of this. He looks completely verbally speaking and listening. His comprehension, his verbal expression is like off the charts. Yeah, super intelligent. As soon as we add writing, we have this crash. Right, right. But this is a really nice play in language. This is why we have a a metaphor of a tree with these Mm -hmm. four um, trunks that when you work on one area, you are feeding that whole tree yeah. too, you know? And the so, fact that they can sometimes feel so like, why why is he so great here? And then this part of language is right. like, the way they can they come together and feed each other, but mm-hmm. can be distinct in a struggle, right? Yeah. Is showing that system. It's a, it's a great way to kind of see the system right. happening. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Paula Mellum from the University of Georgia says, meaning happens in the middle. It's like my favorite favorite things that she said. And that's just something to remember when things are messy and everything's not linear. And, oh, you know, we did this one more task and now we had to go back and talk about it. Well, that's where meaning is happening. 
Right. All of that. And that kind of, yeah, that messy kind of middle area. It also, it, that also reflects, I feel like that phrase reflects the conversation aspect. Yes. That the back and forth, it's not you teaching me. That's not where a lot of meaning, some meaning might happen there. Or you lecturing me. Listening in a yeah, lecture. I'm just yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah, not, not you teaching. Teaching is good. Um, just <laughs> lecturing, though. Um, I might get some meaning. Just, just again. Uh, I might get some <laughs> meaning from that, but the most meaning that's going to happen is when you have those exchanges, because it's that middle ground that we're both sharing. Come together. <laughs> that's what we want. So <laughs> we all to come together. When Laura starts singing, that means the podcast is coming to an end. <laughs> so just remember, talking, writing, those are all great uh exercises and output yeah remember rita uh mentioned it very quickly bits and pieces of writing right it doesn't have to be some huge expensive ordeal Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. right all those things help grow the brain we're finding out literally i mean scientists now can look at you know the electrical impulses of how fast things are connecting how that changes um and it also helps us consolidate skills and build concepts and above all it leads to deep Woohoo! Alright, guys, thank you for listening to the Rooted in Podcast. We would love it on uh, whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a like, leave us a comment. Um, visit our website, rootedinlanguage.com. You've been a fabulous audience. <laughs>